Hold the Maneuver podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Mike. We're two hardworking dads trying to immerse ourselves into Star Wars and fit it into our very busy lives. If this is your first time listening and or watching, in this sometimes short-form Star Wars podcast, we'll share our thoughts on different topics from a galaxy far, far away. So join us as we purr to execute the Hold the Maneuver. All right. You got you to go to Arizona, don't you? Yeah. Hey, he'll be back. Don't worry. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to hello. episode fifty-two. Yeah, L I I. Yeah, L L I. Lie. So uh, this week we have uh, a big crew to talk about the the, the latest episode of Ahsoka. Uh, we got Jorfi in here; he's returning. He's been on a few episodes. Uh, we got Kai coming back to talk about Ahsoka, and. Ted, I don't think you've been on Holdo. You've been on Animation Fascination, but this is your your debut on Holdo Maneuver. His so debut to the, the Holdo Maneuver. First time for everything. Yeah, but uh, Jorfi, uh, you had, you had something you wanted to, to tell us up here up, up, up front. Oh, uh, what's the best way to take out Balin Skull? Well, he kind of took himself out. <laughs> just brute. Uh, ow. Kick his shin. Nice. The loop did not play. Shin sorry. Daddy. It was That's too quiet. The, the sound. There we go. Of course, now it plays twice. So nice. It had to be played twice. Uh, twice the, the soundboard, double the fall. Uh, but yeah, so welcome every everybody. So previously on the Hold the Maneuver, uh, we talked about part one and part two of the whole. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say of the whole maneuver of Ahsoka uh, for Master and Apprentice and Toil and Trouble. Uh, so since uh, Jorfi, Kai, and Ted, since you guys weren't here last week, I was um, there last week. Yeah, he was. Well, yeah. So you were in the chat. So. Who wasn't on camera? He, he was blowing week. us up. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll go around Robin with you guys. He was agreeing with Kenny on far too many points. <laughs> yeah. So we'll start with Jorfi, uh, then go to Kai, and then uh, Ted, because I think Ted's got the most thoughts on that. So take it <laughs> away, Jorfi. Uh, I have had a very hard time with the first two episodes of Ahsoka. To the point that I fell asleep through them three times each. Wow. <laughs> um, episode two, it took me until a fourth viewing to make it past the title drop. Oh, man. I was getting that out of it. And uh, after the commitment to this episode, I think uh, I'm going to be stepping away from Ahsoka for, for a little bit. Oh, dang. So, um, I find it very, I've been finding it very empty and the acting much drier than even like what Lucas would ever have you have in, uh, the original, like from new hope, like from that original movie, like that acting's dry. This is, uh, I've had. I've had bad dates with more charisma than uh, everybody's acting. 
Oh, man. Well, and by case, I mean like the 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 fruit. No. Oh. <laughs> bad dates. Yeah, bad, bad dates. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm sure you guys have a lot more kinder things to say. <laughs> um, I'm just finding it's so empty and. Like, even scenes can be cut down because there's just elongated shots on things of nothing happening, (laughs) it feels. Um, Yeah, that's my big thoughts on there. All right. Hot take off the bat. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so so segueing, we'll go to Kai. All right. Well, uh, I do have some more positive things to say about Ahsoka. <laughs> um, I think uh, so far the fact that we haven't gotten like we there has been zero scenes on Tatooine. I feel like this is already a win for going in a new, new direction. That was one um, of my pluses. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. honestly, um, zero scenes on Tatooine yet. Rumble. Yeah, I know that that's fair. Yet. Um I haven't watched Rebels, so I don't have that connection to it. I, I know a lot about Rebels just because I love Star Wars, so I you know I'm keeping up with all the big things that happen in the show just like through clips and stuff. But um really my connection to Ahsoka comes from watching Clone Wars. And uh she became one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. She, especially the final season of Clone Wars, she's just amazing. And uh, her her connection with the clones has always been awesome. So it's it's weird to see her in a show where she's not interacting with clones all the time. Uh, I miss Rex for sure. Um, maybe we'll see a Rex cameo sometime in the show. That would be really cool. Uh, but so far in the first, uh, I'll, I'll speak on the first two episodes since we'll be talking about the third one later, but um, I thought that the new style of opening crawl was interesting. Uh, it's, I don't know if I loved it, but I definitely love that we're getting back to kind of that style, um, because that was something that I really enjoyed about Star Wars. And so having it kind of in a new way, I think is really cool. Um, and I think it's, I think it's good to, to break off from the boxes that, we've been in but i still not sure if this was exactly the right kind of opening crawl but i I really like that we're going in that direction um and i think in general i i just love lightsabers and i love jedi so anytime that's happening in the show like i'm just so excited um so i i've enjoyed this show more than i think any of the other shows so far. Um, I really liked Andor, but I didn't, but it like didn't quite give me that Star Wars feel. And I think Ahsoka, what it's not the most action packed or like, you know, it doesn't move along super fast, but it's giving me that Star Wars feel um, that I have been craving for a long time. And obviously with Obi-Wan, I was craving something more Star Wars. So I, changed it uh but um <laughs> in terms of the show yeah i think so far i like ahsoka 
Don't love it, but I like it. Episode 49, we talk about that. If you want to go back, talk about Kai's cut of Obi-Wan. I will just want to add back. I did love the Dark Jedi opening in uh, the first episode. That whole yes. whole deal in the first episode was fantastic and really got my hopes high. And then I was just fading. Oh, what really quick to what Kai was saying about the opening crawl. I think I said it last week. I don't remember though. Was that it felt very uh, reminiscent of like the Blade Runner kind of op- op- the opening mm. crawl of Blade yeah? Runner. You did say it last week. Okay, I kind of everything is a blur. <laughs> but, yeah. So uh, even like the like with the red text and everything like that, but. Now, now we will see what Ted has to say about the the first two episodes of Ahsoka. Well, I I had made a list because I was like, well, I want to start with positives and then go <laughs> into kind of a little more like, okay, so David Tennant as the robot was one of the biggest pleasant surprises to me. I was like, I know that voice, and I had to look it up, and I was like, yeah, it's David Tennant. I got really excited over that one. I love. I love the aesthetic of this one because Star Wars, the the original trilogy has a look. And to me, I feel like they kind of more nailed the Star Wars look in the prequels. Like, if you ask, like, what planet do you want to go to? People are going to say, like, Coruscant or Kashyyyk or the interesting planets. No one wants to really go to Endor. I can go to um, up north Arizona to, like, see that. and But, like... I think they really nailed the planets and the the aesthetics in the prequels. And something I loved about um, Clone Wars and this series is how much they're trying to marriage the two, the ruggedness of the original trilogy, that gritty, rugged, um, yeah, ness flavor with the, the like the Garden of Eden look from the Clone Wars, like. You know they're they're still in this perfect universe in like the in in the prequels, and then they're like thrust into this gritty world in the original trilogy, and I think it's doing a good job at marriaging those two feels, those aesthetics, and uh, Clone Wars especially the TV series I thought did a good job at marrying those two. Um, yeah, I the the planet that they're on, I was like, this is Discount Coruscant. Um, <laughs> But I was so happy we're not on the desert planet again. Like, how many desert planets are there? Um, so, really, really quick, I want every. This is well. So, if someone's watching video of this, uh, everyone that has watched Star Wars Rebels, and uh, raise your hand. Just, just, dang, not, not even you, Jorfi. You haven't watched. You haven't watched Rebels. God damn. So just just me, all right. I I watched like the first season, and it was like too too children uh, driven. You know what I mean? Like I just felt like, and I, honestly, I had a bad taste in my mouth from Disney like discontinuing Clone Wars and going right into Rebels. And I was like, uh, it was probably like my own hate that wouldn't let me watch Rebels because I was like, why would you take Clone Wars from us? Okay. Uh, but I've heard that it gets a lot better as it goes. But yeah, know, I will say it, it kind of has the same trajectory as Clone Wars did, where it starts off like very young centered and then 
basically grows up with the audience that's watching it. So um, I've I've yeah. tried a few times watching the first season. I just can't get into it. So I was planning on hopping in to season two and trying to take it from there. And I might even just try to even like figure out the Darth Maul episodes, watch those for me and see if then I can like get hooked from like the character that one of the characters I really want to see like the story from, from Rebels and and then take it from there. I will say that uh, season, so yeah, season two is of that is more like Ahsoka heavy because uh, she shows up at like the at the end of season one, basically more or less, uh, and then like she's more of like a recurring kind of guest in that second season. Uh, and then uh, there's more stuff with Maul in that second season too. Uh, the The channel New Rockstars did a really good breakdown of. Uh, they did four different videos, like one for each of the seasons. So, so I guess for like some of you like that couldn't get past the first season, what you could do is watch that first season video that they did, and then just try to pick up from two, three, four after that. Um, but they did a good breakdown of like all the key stuff that that they think is kind of kind of correlate into Ahsoka there too. So, uh, and then everyone that's seen Clone Wars, I guess. So Kai, you said you've seen Clone Wars. Or if you've seen yes. Clone Wars, that's seen... okay. So then it's only Mike again. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So I, I was just wondering that going into this because that'll be like a good thing to keep in mind too for people watching Ahsoka to see how much they can in, enjoy it without having like that whole kind of built-in kind of knowledge or relationship with some of the characters that are in Ahsoka now. Uh, and I do have a question for the Rebels viewers, um, because in in all the clips and stuff that I've watched, I I never thought Sabine was ever training with Ahsoka in any way. And it seemed like in Ahsoka, they'd been like, oh, she tried to train her before or something like that. Is that right? Like, did they just kind of decide that she was training and kind of retcon that or... So that's like a, a, I guess, like a shared mystery for people that both watched Rebels and didn't watch Rebels. I'm assuming it happened sometime between, because Rebels ends basically kind of where like where Rogue One picks up. There's there is an epilogue mm. that's at the end of Rebels, which is basically, I'm assuming, is supposed to be the last scene from uh, Episode Two of Ahsoka because it's almost like shot for shot redone that way Mm -hmm. um so and that's you know we know where this is set like five years after return of the jedi so it could have been some somewhere within that that time period like that 10 to 15 years there that they could have trained um in that time but that that is a kind of like an interesting like history that nobody has seen whether we watch rebels or didn't Okay, Mark, for you too. I feel like, I feel like, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jay. Kai. Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like, like, I've seen the clip of the end of Rebels where, like, Ahsoka the White comes out with her cloak (laughs) and staff and stuff. And I was like, I was like, oh, is that going to be, like, 
later in the future but then i did see all those like shot for shot things and i was like oh did they they just changed that scene so that she's no longer in the white cloak or does that happen at some point in the future i don't don't, know because that would be i think that's probably meant to be the same scene because if if it's not that would be weird if they ended up later on yeah and they're they're like oh this is weird i have deja vu we're like doing the same thing because like sabine even puts her like her helmet on and like in the rebels version too so there's little little differences what were you gonna say yeah. Georgie? uh i was just because we're on the topic of rebels and uh comparing and contrasting with ahsoka i remember when i watched the pilot that city area that like where the mural is was bustling and like had a lot of activity and it's dead when we get there, there's nothing happening. Like, does that continue? Because that was like part of my problem is this, that emptiness. There just doesn't feel like there's life in this world. In Lothal? Like in, uh, in Ahsoka or like in Rebels? In Ahsoka. Aren't they all at the celebration? And that's like why the highway was empty? Yeah, so that, that road in rebels like that, <laughs> that I, the that's road always, to nowhere yeah because it's basically just the road to go out to like that that like uh like outpost that is basically like where sabine is like living where ezra used to live uh which is like like a redone like military outpost for this so they could see like what was coming in and whatnot um so i think that's basically it's meant to be like a like or just like a road to this outpost but it's not like meant to be anything else other than that in that pilot you have them do like that heist against the stormtroopers on something at least very similar road so i was just questioning about that because that's been a big issue everything feels so empty you go to temples it's empty you go to ruins it's empty you go to the city it's empty you know there's no life it doesn't feel like it's just seven characters hanging around yeah Yeah. i can get that and then i think uh ted i i kind of segued while you were still talking about your stuff but uh back into your your thoughts of the the first and uh second episodes i i kind of realized like i i agree i thought it was way too slow i kind of thought nothing really happened much um, the beginning of the second episode, I was like, is this Star Trek? Like, they're on a bridge. He's giving orders and everything. I was like, what, what show am I watching? <laughs> but, like, so I love Ahsoka character a lot. And I know Captain Kennedy has her heart set on a female lead in this Star Wars universe. And I kind of thought, as soon as they announced Ahsoka, I was like, this is this is that happy medium where the old fans can have a character they love as, you know, spotlight center, but then also Kathleen Kennedy can have her female lead that she's been pushing for. And during the first two episodes, there were moments that I was like, is this Ahsoka? Like I, there, there were moments I was kind of thought this isn't the character I know yet, but there's been years. I didn't watch rebels except for the one where Darth Maul, has his comeuppance um 
just because I wanted to see that scene. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. Is this the the one I've been waiting for to, to have Star Wars come back to my, you know, happiness? And then so for your I overall tell. thoughts on, yeah, for your overall thoughts on uh, episodes one and two, then how did you uh, like how overall, what was your, your main takeaway from where that ended before we pick up with part three here? Um, I, d I did think it was slow. Um, you know, for the amount of time I watched, it was the duration of a movie and I kind of thought nothing really happened, but and it's just, oh, another MacGuffin to a MacGuffin kind of thing. But I feel I just, I, I really want this character to have a great series. And I, the creator of the show, I really want to have confidence in him as well. Because he created Ahsoka. It's her, it's his baby. I, I, I have hope. I have hope. Nice. All right. So from there, we will segue into... Uh, Ahsoka Part 3, Time to Fly. Uh, so this episode aired on August 29th, uh, which was yesterday. Uh, and it was directed by Steph Green again. She directed the uh, Part 2 as well, the uh, Toil and Trouble. Uh, now, with this one, we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit. We're, we're going to be explaining this episode to Ted as well. <laughs> so just so <laughs> Uh, you can ask all the questions. Yeah, yeah so I'll be, he, I'll be the everyman. You, yeah, you played the the role of of the the audience um, watching it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, like this one. Uh, I guess we'll go around. We'll start like round robin first with like overall kind of thoughts of part three. I know for me that I liked. Uh, I enjoyed like what this episode did, where it had um, it had a little bit of like everything that i usually like to see like within star wars uh like with sabine and ahsoka um going through with uh, we had more training with them uh there's a good scene there with hera and the the senators and chancellor uh mon mothma which i definitely want to get more into later on uh and then overall i just i liked the like the dogfight uh, space battle in there too. So um, this one, I felt like if if you guys, I don't I don't know if Dorothy agrees, uh, but where like the first two were kind of like a little bit slower in their pacing, I thought this third episode uh, was moving pretty quick. It starts off a little bit slow with like the the training sequence that it starts with, but then it like pick picks up and it's just uh, basically one thing after another until. It ends. And this this episode was only like about how long was it, Jorfi, with credits? 33, 35 minutes? 33, about 33 minutes. All right. Yeah. So it was it was it was the shortest of the three that have aired so far. Uh but those are my initial thoughts. So uh I will go to Mike, then we'll go to Kai, then we'll go to Jorfi, and then we'll kind of do our recap from there after that. <laughs> Well, I enjoyed the episode to a point. Um, I felt they had like two or three major bullet points and then they really drew them out to fill the time. Like they had the training sequence, the dogfight, and then I didn't even know what the third point was. 
Uh, it's Hera, just like the, the hyperdrive. Hyperdrive Hera, something. It was just hyperactive hyperdrive. Not a lot. Ha- like yeah, it was quicker, but not a lot happened at the same time. I felt there was a lot of exposition for people who haven't seen Rebels. Like they were over explaining things in whatever creative way they could to kind of catch you up. That's just my take on that. But overall, I just felt like not much happened, even though it was quicker paced. I did feel like I reached the end of the episode, but I was still only halfway through, if that makes sense. Like at one point I stopped and I was like, how much time's left? Oh, wow, we're not even halfway. I, I feel like it should have ended by now. Like that was just, I kind of got taken out of the moment with this episode, even though the opening training sequence, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Especially with the new, like when Hu Yang brings out like the beams where it shows where she was missing, where she was supposed to hit and all that. Oh, yeah. And they go into the extended fight sequence between Sabine and Ahsoka. And it's like, that was drawn out. Then they go into the dogfight, which, okay, that was really cool because they're ships we haven't seen in live action before. But then it's like, okay, that was drawn out. <laughs> and it just kept getting to the point where I was like, this needed to end many beats ago. And like, go to the next point. But again, I know I'm an Ahsoka novice or a B, a B Soka novice right now. Um, so I was just like, I was just intrigued to learn more about the character and I got that in this episode. I still want to keep watching to learn more and get, see where it's going. I, I'll hold my overall judgment until at least I watch it all the way through twice and then I'll make my final judgment, but overall decent episode. I enjoyed it for what it was, but not much happened. And then, okay. Yeah, I think um, so far, episode three has been my favorite episode. Um, I think it had the most action and the most uh, fun interactions between the characters. Um, And I felt like uh, I actually felt things from Ahsoka for the first time. You know, I, I felt her changing a little bit and deciding okay, I can't just do things my way anymore. I've got to start kind of, you know, adopting a new way of life if I'm going to be a mentor to Sabine. So I enjoyed that part of it. Um, And yeah, I I think we'll talk about it more, but the uh, Ahsoka fighting in space was so far my favorite thing that has happened in this show uh, and has probably... My favorite thing that has happened in all the shows so far, other than the Vader versus Obi-Wan fight. <laughs> okay. Nice. Oh, we all loved Cyril eating cereal right. from Andor. That was... <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. I forgot about it. That actually is my favorite part. <laughs> Action in that is insane. And that's just, that's just fun to say. Cyril eating cereal on Coruscant. <laughs> uh, then, then what did you think, Dorothy? Um, I, I didn't fall asleep in this episode, so yeah. that's a, a top, uh, top praise for it there. Uh, I loved the recap of episode two, because it made it seem like stuff actually happened, 
Like, I was just like, where was this episode when I was watching it? Um, <laughs> I, I, I liked, I liked episode three. It had a lot of, uh, reminiscent stuff to like the prequels with the dog fight. Um, but it was just lacking. It just, again, it just like, it felt like the hollow shell of the opening to episode three, um, Revenge of the Sith with the, the dog, that dog fight, you know, uh, for, for me there, um, I enjoy, you know, robot Scrooge McDuck from David Tennant. Um, you know, like that's the thing that keeps me at least recommending it to people to check out is David Tennant's voice acting. I just, I feel like again, it felt like a hollow um, a homage to A New Hope with Obi Wan in. Uh, the Millennium Falcon with Luke with the training when they put the blaster helmet on. There's just, it's like, ah, oh, I get it. I, I remember, remember berries, but like not quite hitting, you know? Um, yeah. It's just like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential I've been finding in the episodes. And then it's just, or especially this episode, and I'm just like, it's just not there. Not enough to, like, give me uh, a satisfaction. And um, why can't Jason be, like, a green rabbit person? <laughs> just in general, I think that'd be the best Easter egg that they could do if a Twi'lek and a human-looking thing had a green rabbit person as a kid. Well, they're they're already committed to the the humanoid because of how he showed up at the end of Rebels. But... They could have made it at the end of Rebels, him still being a green yeah. humanoid rabbit. I mean, that's just oh, they did they did desaturate how like how bright green his hair was in the so like in the the Rebels epilogue, his, his hair was very 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 green. And yeah, he doesn't like, look in... anything like his mom in the in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to Jason in a little bit, but uh, and for the people that haven't watched uh, Rebels, Jason is the the son of Hera and Kanan uh, from Rebels. And spoiler alert: Kanan was in Rebels, but as you can see, Kanan is not anywhere around anymore. So I, I, I won't yet yet. yet. They did a Kanan comic that was pretty decent. Yeah. Kanan, Kanan and... The, so the whole relationship between Kanan and Ezra and Rebels too is like uh, like a Jedi and Padawan. Uh, I think is one of, like, one of the like the best kind of pairings for the, that's been shown within all of the different series, whether it's animated or live action. And Freddie Prince Jr. did a great job as Kanan in that in that series. So it would be cool if, if maybe if we do get to see some sort of representation of Kanan somehow in live action, but we, we shall, we shall see. Kanan, Kanan clone is the inquisitor. Yeah. There you go. He's, he's Merrick. A Kanan clone is Merrick. 
You heard it here. There you go. No one, no one said that. Everyone, everyone thinks it's Ezra, but which I, I will say, if if Merrick that that Inquisitor Merrick ends up being Ezra, I I'll be pretty bummed out. I like the theory about it being Star Killer. Yeah, that, that would be cool if it's Sam Witwer. I, well, I just do not want it to be Ezra because because it's because his character's real last name was Merrick. Yeah, and so, I mean that. Let's not. We don't need to get into that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so now we'll, we'll kind of start our, our recap here, and then Ted, as we go along, if you have any questions or you want, uh, if you want elaboration on anything, just I raise my hand or just raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, ask. Scream loudly. Ask, uh, <laughs> yes. And then just pull a pull a white vision uh, from WandaVision and be like, I uh but yeah so mike already kind of and Dorothy already and i think Kai. what's your take a little bit too but like oh yeah well no ted hasn't seen part three. no he's asking <laughs> you have you given oh. your take oh i oh yeah i said my i said my take first oh i don't remember and that I, and then around yeah i'm just making sure uh but you're part of this I know it's all right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the training with Hu Yang, uh, which I thought was I liked how samurai esque that was. Uh, like even like so like in the New Hope, it's it's straight more of like a blaster shield type helmet, and that this it felt way more samurai esque with like the design of the the like the blind face shield that Sabine had after training with that, and they even had like the wooden kind of katana training swords. I got, I got for the mask more like a, a fencing mask. I was gonna yeah. say it looked like yeah. a fencing mask, but they think they were going samurai feel. Yeah, well, it does look like also something you might wear in kendo. So, yeah, and I like I don't speak Japanese, but was was Hu Yang? Where was he speaking a, a language that's within the Star Wars universe, or was he that that? Almost felt like it might have been like Japanese, for, like the words he was saying for the moves for her to be doing. Anybody know that? I don't know if anybody knows that. No, I was thinking the same thing. thing though. It, I think, I think the whole thing was supposed to be evocative of like samurai training. So even the language, I think, sounds Japanese, but I do not know what that language is. I would assume it's probably not Japanese. I assume it's some Star Wars language. Uh, especially because yeah. Hu Yang has been around for so long, right? He's like older than Yoda or something. Yeah, because he he was yep. in a bunch of episodes of the Clone Wars. Uh, yeah, so like if anyone likes David Tennant as Hu Yang, he did the voice for Hu Yang in the Clone Wars as well. Too. So if you haven't seen those episodes, definitely go back and check those out too. Uh, I know, Mike, you had some... Uh, Thoughts about the the scene as well, and then I know Caillou did too. I echo um, what Jorfi was saying. How they start the training, and I was like, base, basically like, okay, this is basically Luke's training without the blast shield and the ball that shoots freaking laser beams. Oh, like 
that's what I was expecting. Like when she's like, okay, we're going to try something. I was expecting that helmet to come out with that little orb and all that. I also laugh that like they're flying through hyperspace doing this. Just, you know, yeah. practicing Jedi shit in the back of the ship. As it's did. casual, man. <laughs> so that always, the, the hyperspace always kills me because it's like, it doesn't affect the people in the ship that they're going that fast. And it's just, I don't know. I always laugh at that. Theory or relativity doesn't exist in Star Wars. Not in this galaxy, apparently. But yeah, but I was just like, I, that they're going to. It, I enjoyed a galaxy far, far away. Far, far close. Yes. But I enjoyed the training when watching Ahsoka just kind of like toy with Sabine, like knowing she'll never land a, a hit because she isn't one with the Force yet. It was, it just, it dragged a little bit. Like we got the point quick and then they just kept it going. But that was just my own, that's just my own personal thought on that. And then, Kai, what did you think about that scene? Yeah, um, I really, I really liked. Uh, like, as soon as it opened, and we saw Hu Yang with the four like uh, holographic lightsaber beams, like I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" Like, I love, I love when there's still new things in Star Wars that we can see, and it's not just always like, "Oh, we've we've seen this before in something else," and maybe we've seen it before in like Clone Wars or Rebels, but I didn't remember and. I thought it was just so cool, especially that it like recorded Sabine's like um, swipes and you could see like where she was missing exactly where she needed to go. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, I did think that the uh, once once they take out the kind of the blaster shield looking thing, um, it did feel a little too close to uh, A New Hope. Um, where it was almost like, okay, like, I'd like to see it, you know, acknowledged, but I don't need to see the exact scene again, almost. Um, I also felt like it was um, strange to me that Sabine wouldn't have been like, oh, not this again, like, because if she was training with Ahsoka before, and then Ahsoka decided to, you know, not train her anymore, I feel like this would have been one of the first things that they did. So to her, for her to not know what they were about to do, I was like, mm, I don't know if that makes sense. But um, overall, I, I I do like any time. Like th- th- something that I felt the sequels were missing was like time with the Force and like really learning from a master and um, not Ryan Johnson's uh, little, you know, his writing style is very much just like, oh, I'm just going to flip it on its head, you know. Um, so I liked seeing uh, a master and an apprentice learning together uh, in a way that felt more genuine and not just trying to poke fun at the universe itself, you know. So I, I do enjoy when um, Star Wars takes its time to explore the Force, especially because, you know, I, I'm sure all of us here have been like Sabine and, you know, tried to force grab a cup at any point, you know, and really be like, I'm one of the fours. I can do it. I can do it. You know? And so I, I enjoy those little moments. Yeah. 
It brought memories of our mall rats where... Oh, yeah. Knock it off. I just want (laughs) to say, like, just listening to this and kind of thinking about it. Do you think Huye is going to survive? And if so, like, would he end up at Luke's temple? Maybe. And either way, then I guess he's kind of maybe screwed. Yeah. But I'm just... Because I'm just thinking, like, oh, where was Huye for uh, for the Book of Boba Fett three episodes there, you know? Oh, yeah, for you guys that were on here last week, too, I had said to, to Mike and uh, Kenny and Aspen was, uh, I think that Ahsoka is set, like, right after her debut episode in The Mandalorian and before where she shows up in the book of Boba Fett and, and then that leaves space for her to somehow at some point in the series like we see her like meeting Luke because like they're like they had already like met each other and like like oh that would have been cool to actually like see these two meet each other seeing how they share one, this one person that was very important to both of their lives in different ways um, and a crap load of stuff to talk about <laughs> Yeah, uh, I will say but... uh, that specifically, like, for them to, in Mandalorian Season 3, just like, uh, or I guess it was it was Book of Boba Fett, they just kind of have Grogu yeah. go back uh, after being picked up by Luke. I was like, you know, maybe they should have saved that Luke cameo for Ahsoka and have that be more of an emotional moment for Ahsoka and Luke, who both obviously... Yeah know Anakin and Vader and that I feel like would have been a much more powerful way to include Luke in these shows than like he like comes and picks up Grogu and then Grogu's like okay actually I'm good peace I'm gonna go see my dad and then like that's all they use I don't know and that's another topic but yeah well then that also then would like lead to a mirroring for Sabine and Grogu because Grogu went from a Jedi training to Mandalorian and Sabine for Mandalorian to Jedi training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like I've also that. wondered um, that too, like maybe Luke shouldn't have been seen already, but also like with the fact that they th- showed Thrawn in the preview for this, like why did like, why not just save that for a bigger impact in the show? Like now it's like, okay, Thrawn comes back and we're all like, watching this show it's like kind of be like oh we're going to find them we're going to find them well we know they find them now but like or is that all just flashback uh true it could be and like because we know that they're building towards something like a thrawn movie too so yeah like i feel like and that's what puts like a a wrench in it for me for your theory mark where it takes place before Book of Boba Fett, because like if they go out there, what's going to happen? Kind of thing, because like how can yeah. then you tie in like the Mandalorians joining up, or which seems to be what like was at least theorized uh, that I've been hearing, like to build all the series to one point. Yeah, uh, and I, I know in that one trailer we saw. The, it kind of looks like that bridge that's on that Eye of Sion, um, 
where he's like standing in like the same spot we've seen Morgan standing a few times now. So it, it seems like at some point he's going to be on that the hyperspace ring. Uh, what we were, were talking about with the that training scene, one of the the things that I liked in that um, besides it, I. I liked how it was kind of moving the plot while also kind of being used as exposition for people that may have not watched Rebels or some other things with that. Uh, but the other thing that I liked in that was the conversation that Bean and Ahsoka have uh, the explanation of the Force in that. And it's there's a, a great scene. I'll, I'll send it to you guys if you want to watch it later. I'll put it in our show notes too. But there's a good scene from Rebels uh, where where Kanan is training uh, Sabine with the the dark saber in that, and it's basically talking about uh, like how everyone has access to force, but it's also about talent and to do what it takes to access it. Which I like that kind of explanation of force, where it's it can kind of be used in like normal life too, where like everyone has access to be like a filmmaker if you want to but you also have to have this certain kind of like innate talent to be able to do it and you also have to have that willingness to also have you know do whatever training to do and the focus and determination to be able to complete whatever task it may be so i, I like that kind of correlation with how they're explaining the force within that that way. So it's not it's not just about midichlorians in your body. Just but it's all, say, it's also it's better than yeah. How many how many magical uh, blood parasites you have? Yeah, I mean that that could play like a small part, but, but there there's like that could be like I guess someone's like like innate like brain like like their IQ or their like their muscle tone or whatever. Or like whatever they're trying to do, whatever the, the task or thing is. I just liked how they explained it that way. But there, there's a good scene in Rebels where Kanan's kind of explaining that same thing, but I liked how Ahsoka did it here too. Well, it could go the Scientology route where they got to hold those tubes and it measures whatever the heck's inside you and you got to depurify yourself. No, um, it's kind of, it's, it, I, I enjoy yeah. that aspect of it being like, Okay, you're all you all have the force. Jedi kind of took it this way, being like this number means something more than anything else, but you can't be trained unless you're at this number. So it's like it's kind of like I forgot what I think we were talking about Andor and how I have my own issues with organized religion. And seeing them like flip the Jedi on their head, being like, Okay, you're all accepted kind of like makes just ties into that like oh i enjoy that aspect because of my own issues with organized religion not to get on a soapbox about religion i'll, I'll, I'll stop myself no, no worries uh do you have any questions Ted? about organized religion no <laughs> um but uh, i got answers the way you guys really are no match for a good blast here at your side. It sounds like episode three is one I'm I am excited to watch. You guys all talked positive about it, except for a little slowness. But um, yeah, episode three, I'm I'm like maybe I should be playing it while you guys are talking about it. And 
Yeah, I feel bad. No questions. This so was a fun one. It, so. it is. It will move faster than our review of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is true. We are, we, we are, we are already 14 minutes over. Yeah, we are longer than the the episode itself. So from there, the the next scene that we kind of get was was uh, like you guys brought up Sabine trying to use the force in the cup. It's great. Um, I so badly wanted her to be like trying to get that cup and then have something else move accidentally, being like, "Crap, I'm not focused like enough. I moved the wrong." Right. Yeah, like she's focusing this way, and then like the pitcher moves or. Something behind her falls because she's not focusing enough and she's not one with the force enough. So it's just, I thought that would have been a great little comic relief moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty you, yeah, glad, almost, though, that like they're, a, they're saving her uh, force uh, sensitivity powers, I think. Um, honestly, like to me, I think it would be way more interesting if Sabine ends up being a warrior who doesn't really ever hone in the force, but she's still fierce and fearless and, you know, can take on enemies. Um, because I, I don't know, I, I think that that would be an interesting and unique way to, to, you know, go through the story. But at the same time, obviously, like, if we want Sabine to really be able to, you know, go against the baddies at the end, uh, I assume she needs some force sensitivity, even though she's already kind of, you know, fought with uh, Shin baddie, she uh, did get stabbed. So obviously she has a lot to learn. Um, but I, I'm, I'm kind of glad that they're, you know, keeping her, I, I want to see her work for her force sensitivity. You know, I feel like we were missing that with Ray. Ray just like all of a sudden had force sensitivity. And I, I really want to see somebody like start from zero and really hone their craft. Mm -hmm. Cause like even, even Anakin, when, you know, at the end of Phantom Menace, you know, other than him, like having force sensitivity, he never really uses the force. We don't see that until, you know, 10 years later or nine years later or whatever in, in um, Attack of the Clones. So to see somebody start from zero and then get to something, I think is going to be really interesting in the show. It might start off slow, but I think it'll it'll be a good payoff. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that would be cool if, if there's the, specifically with like her abilities with or without force, like being like a slow, like crescendo and build up to like whatever it may end up being. And even if it's just like uh, 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 what's his name? One. The man, I'm blanking on his name. The, I'm one of the force. The force is with me. Oh, the blind guy? Oh. Yeah. Uh, is it Chirrut? Yeah. Yeah. Donnie and Chirrut. Yeah, like even if it's like that, like where he wasn't specifically like a Jedi or anything, but he's still kind of like a connection to the Force in a way. So even if it's she has some kind of like where she's not, you know, levitating stuff towards her, but like she's still some kind of connection and is able to access it in that way, could be interesting too. It's going to be like her detective um, sense from the Batman Arkham oh, yeah. games. Well, we see that Ahsoka has kind of has like the force echo thing that like Mel has in the like the Jedi 
uh, Force, uh, or sorry, Jedi Fallen Order Survivor games where like you can kind of see like Force echoes of stuff that happened. Before we move on, I think on, that's cool that she is. I have one little nitpick about that scene. Uh-oh. All right. And it's what is the cup and table made out of? Because it sounds <laughs> like Ahsoka's dragging a boulder when she pulls the cup over. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like in any video game. Yeah, yeah I would assume. Yeah, I, I assumed that the cup was some kind of ceramic thing and then the table was like a metal sounding. But yeah, you're right. It did kind of have some interesting sound design. If anything, we know that they're te- technically eating off the floor because mm-hmm. her ta- ta- table goes into the floor and they walk over there and then it pops back up. So hopefully they don't have any dirty feet or anything. Delicious. Uh, but Quintarian. So the lovely. next scene here. <laughs> so like the next thing that we see here too, uh, we go to the Hera uh on and see what she's doing so here we like we see chancellor mon mothma with genevieve o'reilly again which is awesome to see her post return of the jedi uh no longer bogged down by her her, her asshat husband he still could be there Andor. we don't know i mean he could but she seems like she, she seems like she's a little bit happier than than she was uh, in Andor, let's just at least from this this tiny little bit that we saw here, uh, and like her. She's bringing, free. She's no longer that, holding that secret. Yeah, and she kind of has like that this little. She has some kind of built-in like background relationship with, like with Hera, like knowing like Jason and Chopper. Uh, so I, I liked like that in this scene as well too. Uh, and then Mike, you had a question about. The, the other senators that were in that scene. Oh, yeah. I, I the this is we've seen this group of senators before somewhere. I forget where. To like, who are they? One, and why is the guy in the green robe gonna turn and be part of the empire? It's just gonna happen. Oh, for the first story, yeah. You see that? I just don't know who all those uh, senators are. Like, but like. I've seen them in the grouping before. Maybe it was a preview for Ahsoka. I don't remember, but okay. I, apparently, one of them is a the father of a character from the animated series Resistance Two, uh, which that that is actually I haven't seen either. But I know that 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 show takes place in between episodes seven and eight, or yeah, oh, or I believe. That. So seven, I don't know, eight and nine, or it's it's set within like that, like the later like trilogy era. Um, but I believe like one of those senators, I guess, is the dad of one of the main characters from that show. Uh, but the other the other thing that I liked about this the scene too is I really how Mary Elizabeth Winstead played the whole scene uh, with like her fresh being able like. Almost kind of like the, the same way with like how it was working for Mon Mothma back in certain people were trying to get like this point across to, to people to get things done so that other things didn't happen and you could feel her, her like kind of getting frustrated with like all like the bureaucracy 
specific stuff of not being allowed to go forward with trying to go after Thrawn so that basically the Empire didn't happen again, which, spoiler alert, we know that it kind of does with the First Order coming back up. So <laughs> we this this new Republic we've seen between like the Mandalorian series and the Book of Boba Fett, like now this, like how much that new Republic kind of like freaking sucks, except for, except for Mon Mothma, because she, she's still cool. She's, she's not like all these other like senators and whatnot here. So that was something that I particularly liked how Mary Elizabeth once said, played that, that, that felt the most had in Rebels so far for how Mary Elizabeth once that has been portraying her in the show. Uh, and I think Akai had something about that scene too. Yeah, I think I definitely, uh, I can see now. <laughs> Uh, and, and I think that even um, Mandalorian season three was really trying to do this too, is, is trying to show you the disorganization of the new Republic and how, you know, within 30 years, the first order rises to power again, or not again, but kind of through the, through the empire. Um, Cause yeah, these senators are not fun and they, I did like the exchange between Hera and that uh, senator about, you know, she's like, oh, so you just uh, you just sat back. You weren't actually in the war. You just sat back to see who would win. And there was that long oh, yeah. pause. I, I just thought that was a great interaction um, and, and shows kind of Hera's uh, rebel, rebel nature. Um, but yeah. yeah. I, uh, I completely agree. This is probably my favorite part of the episode, um, just because I thought it was a solid scene. It both established, like, I felt like it gave us context of who Hera is from Rebels, if you didn't watch Rebels, too, as well as uh, giving us more of that failure of the Republic. And again, you get to see how those the senatorial incompetence leads to the f downfall of the the republic just like we did in the prequels here you can see it again uh it's just through a different incompetence yep it's pretty standard in star wars yeah <laughs> bureaucratic incompetence it's like poetry it rhymes <laughs> i was waiting i was waiting yeah. it's gotta be in every episode Yes. Go ahead, Ted. I was going to ask because your scene that you guys are saying in the third episode, where the training scene, uh, I was going to butt in and say, is that rhyming too much with it? Because Star Wars rhymes <laughs> a lot. It does. Yeah, that's kind of what I was having a problem with, where it felt almost a little too much like they were just rehashing a scene. Yeah, um, I would have liked to see a little bit more of a new. I, I mean, I think the using like a a, a katan um, was a lot better than like having that little spherical uh, ball thing shooting at them. That would have been like, okay, 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 we get it. So we did take a little bit of a, a new um, stance on it, which was really cool to see. But it still was like, okay, yeah, like well, I've seen this <laughs> a thousand times. Yep. Not only in Star Wars, but in other, you know, like even in it, it evoked like, uh, you know, 
what is it matrix you know it, it kind of had that vibe too um but you know I, again i'm down to see jedi training though so i, I just think um we're constantly seeing like the outskirts Jedi training, you know, like mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're seeing training consistently from post uh, order 66. So like everything's very much like, you know, Oh yeah, I, t- I learned stuff, but also I'm not really the best teacher anyways, you know, and it would be really cool to see more training from, uh, you know, the, the Jedi in their prime. I, I always enjoyed seeing like in uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith when like all of a sudden we'd be, you know, in a room with Yoda with all the children and he's training and like that was always really fun. Um, Hopefully for the Acolyte. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I am excited the, about that aspect. But um, um, the film that James Mangold is wanting to do yeah. the origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd but be cool too. Going back, I feel like there's a difference between like the empty homages that like that force training kind of feels like where that senator scene, yeah, it's it's rhyming the whole thing, but it's being done slightly different enough and it's being done in a way that's continuing to what we saw in Mandalorian in that episode with the cloner and that like whole feeling of there is still the corruption there's the failing system of coruscant itself there's too many cracks in it and them using former imperials to just kind of allows for wedges to exist that shouldn't Mm. wedge antilles that not that wedge (laughs) not that wedge um so uh, the the next scene after this too is like we talked about a little bit, but J- we see our first um, live action version of Jason Sindula here, uh, uh, and we see that he wants to be able to to use the Force. Um, kind of, must, we don't know for sure, but I'm assuming Hera would have told him that his dad was a, a Jedi. Um, wondering if she maybe like, cause she kind of gives a little look when he says that he heard that Sabine was being trained by well, Aunt Sabine was being uh, trained by a, so, uh, oh, I want to be a Jedi, and she kind of gives like this like look where it's almost like she doesn't want him to go down that path too because she already kind of like lost two people or basically the only two people outside of Ahsoka um, that used to the Force were that were just um, so maybe she'd be wary about like her son wanting to use it. That was one thing I thought with that too. But I, I liked this. I don't know how more often we're gonna see Jason in this series. But I liked the little brief period that we did with um, Hera in the scene. Uh, and I think one of one of either Mick or Kai had something else about the scene too. Yeah, I I just was uh, gonna say, and I know that Jason is from Rebels, but I'm like, it doesn't really seem like a fair mix of uh, mm. Twi'lek and human. It very much feels like a human boy, and maybe human genes are dominant in Star Wars universe. I don't know. Uh, I this is probably I think the first 
interspecies child we've seen, I think in live action at least. Um, but yeah, I, I, to me, I'm like, I feel like he could have some, something to make him look more like a Twi'lek, <laughs> but you know, that's fine. I'm assuming that like humanoid genes must be the dominant one in the whole galaxy because there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them, but just like looking at Mandalorians too, because you see how like the the lore of that they were some other kind of completely different species, and as they take on more people and like intermingle between them, they've just become humanoid. Well, then there, I guess, I guess there it is. Human and, genes are dominant. <laughs> and it also makes it cheaper. That's, yeah, that's it. Like, okay, so I also love Star Trek, but you can tell, like, their budget for their TV shows are just so low because they just, like, do a tattoo right here and they're like, a whole new species. And <laughs> that's, I gravitate more towards Star Wars because they do come up with these races and these species that are like, yeah, that's not a human in a costume. Like, uh, you know, and they have more money to do those kind of things. And yeah. 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 I feel like, uh, I I feel like that's something that I was missing in Andor was like, everything felt way too human. You know, there I I didn't feel like there were enough species in the galaxy. And I was like, Oh, like, I want to see, like, that's why I love Star Wars. There are so many interesting. I believe uh, that was one of my biggest there. complaints too. Yeah, that like Brand that whole that mm-hmm. whole. I mean, maybe that that prison was segregated, but it felt like there should have been like more than just humans in that. Prison. Yeah, where's where's those like big four armed, four eyed, weird, snouted like hairy dudes? Yeah, I mean, like, because <laughs> stuff like know, that. I could see the entire. Not to get go off on a whole aside because we still have a, a few scenes to get through, but I could I could see because the vampire is inherently racist with like how it like is set up anyways because they're basically supposed to be space Nazis. So I could see them just having because we saw how big and how many levels that prison is. So there could be there's probably one whole level that's just all of the non-humanoid aliens on, and they just kept all of them segregated like that. For, that's at least my own headcanon for why we didn't see too many. Yeah, I assume also that like the because didn't the prison system have some like floor thing that would like yeah. electrocute your feet? So like if there's an alien species that like w- you know doesn't have you know it has like an exoskeleton or something that would make it you know immune to that, then that would probably be dangerous. So I yeah. could I could get the segregation thing, but. Uh, Still, it just felt like it was too human-centric, that show. But anyways, back to Ahsoka. Yeah. Uh, and then I think we already brought up, but may- maybe possibly we'll see a, a Force Ghost uh, mm. Kanan. So uh, maybe. Who knows if it'll be Freddie French Jr. Maybe I mean, because out of, out of the, the cast from Rebels, he was probably like at least the only like live action actor or at least a well-known most well-known action actor from that outside of like who we've already seen come back within uh, mandalorian with bo-katan 
Freddie will do it. He needs money. You yeah, and Clancy trying Brown? To... Well, yeah, Clancy Brown, too. He, he reprised his role from Rebels. Uh, yeah. but he's not you know in this I mean. episode. Yeah. Neither is Freddie Prince Jr. We're, we're speculating I'm just saying, about this episode. Mark says he's the best known actor from Rebels. <laughs> Clancy he's all, Brown. Exists. He's all that. He's all that. <laughs> Clancy Brown was Lex Luthor. That's true. And, and the world's like best Highlander villain. Also true. Uh, but sp- speaking of Clancy, uh, he was not part of this dogfight space battle between Shin and Masoka and Sabine. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we've, 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 we've kind of... Yeah, I mean, it would have been better probably if he was there too. He's like, hey guys, or maybe if he was this character from Mando, like, the, you know, the dude with the horns. Because he's been like four needs, different characters. Every episode needs some Clancy Brown in it. Yeah. Have what him be Savage it, Opress again. Yeah, what if it was a scene that just had all four of his characters that he's played in? I'd love it. I'd love it. They could play poker together, and it would be the best 30 minutes of my life. <laughs> Although it would have to be... He set. wouldn't fall asleep during that. I really it would, wouldn't. It would have to be set <laughs> d- during a very specific time period since Savage Opress is no longer with us. Uh, Sith can have Force Ghosts if we want. True. <laughs> so... Yeah, we had this the dog. And, uh, Technically, uh, Anakin was Sith, and he's got a Force go. He he so. he came back to the light before he died. Uh, did so, did he? Yes, he did. <laughs> That's a different wishful episode. thinking. Uh, and maybe he'll show up in this as a Force ghost too. So who knows? Uh, but again, that whole scene was like reminiscent of parts of Hope will wholly be kind of its own too. Uh, because I almost expected Ahsoka to say to I mean, that was great kid, don't get cocky. Or, uh, <laughs> uh, or I, I told my son how the, the the Family Guy version of that that scene went too. Uh, but don't don't get penisy. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Don't get penisy. Uh, what did uh, you, Kai, and like you guys had notes about the scene too? I can go. Yeah, I just. Uh, um... I really liked the scene. I, I think that uh, a good Star Wars dogfight is always fun. Um, I thought that uh, the ships were a little too World War Two plane looking, or World War I. I said World War One. Yeah, something. Yeah, and uh, it, it just, you know, it it's fine. I, I like I like new uh, new designs in star wars so uh, i'll take it uh it i just think sometimes when designs are a little too close to home it's like it takes you out of the star wars world just a bit um but i i did enjoy the dogfight itself and uh the uh, the lasers in this one feel a little bit different than they've been in other live action they they feel a little bit more i don't know they're like they feel sharper and more pointed and like more turbo lasers uh, so i did enjoy that yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever that is, they're they're turbo lasers. They're more lasers. <laughs> they're blazer. They're blazers. <laughs> I I felt no, like I, the ship design. Go ahead. It kind of felt like a, a scrapped up version of those ships from Episode Three that 
uh, Obi Wan and Luke are, or uh, Obi Wan and Anakin are flying that had like the weird saw droids on them and oh yeah yeah mm. just like they've been sitting in a junkyard someplace rusted mm. up and had panels taken off of them and stripped down a bit. Shin is using a mm-hmm. Clone Wars era like headset in her. I noticed that. That was cool. Yeah, so that was interesting. Uh, and then what did you have to say? Because you had a few things. That was similar to what Kai was saying. I was like, I was like, this is like a World War One, World War Two esque plane. Because even when the you hear them start flying in, you kind of hear that old buzzing that you used to hear in like the movies when they show those planes, like the propeller, or not. Oh, it's yeah. what it's where my ears went. And it was a cool scene. Like again, new ships are always welcomed instead of seeing the same old Tie Fighters versus X Wings all the time. It was. It's just like it started to get that feel, like the don't don't get cocky kid feel. And I was like, don't don't do it, don't. And like I was hope I was glad they didn't do it, but I was sitting there thinking that someone was going to say something similar. It was interesting that. Sabine was like, "You gotta fly differently for me to actually do something." Right. Like, that was a unique take. Not well, not I don't know if "unique's" the word, but different take. Yeah. And once again, it brings home the point: Why is everyone in Star Wars such a good pilot? Because the like, force. Everyone just like I guess they don't show the crappy ones. You have to have the, the other reflexes ones. to be a, a pod racer, so. Jedi reflexes go into piloting. I suppose. That's, that's, that's like an cool. Andor. Cassian's just like, it's this type of thing. You're going to notice there's a modification. It's like, well, how did he know so much about this machine that nobody else seems to know anything about? Like Anyone who's a pilot just seems to know way too much about flying in Star Wars. Because they know every ship. They can fly anything. They're experts at it all. But... And also, I was good to see generic TIE Fighter number one rebranded as another generic pilot just to get blown up. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, this episode is time to fly. Yeah. <laughs> True. No, it was, it was a cool little scene. My, my favorite part of this like scene, the dogfight specifically, was that like, uh, Ahsoka does have a moment where she's like okay clearly something's not working with uh how i'm mentoring sabine and she has that moment where she has to go okay sabine what do you need from me and then that's when they start working together and they start you know actually um getting ships destroyed uh on their tail um and i literally i turned to my fiance when we were watching and i went I think that's the most emotion I've seen in Ahsoka live action so far. Like pretty close, that if not yeah. where she was like, she like actually looked like she was concerned and that she didn't have it all figured out. And what I love about Ahsoka's character throughout the, the Clone Wars and stuff is that she's she is very much like Anakin, where like she thinks she knows the answer right away, and so she like is constantly like okay, I have to do this right now. And that doesn't necessarily always work out for her. Uh, and I know that we're a long way from when she was a, a kid in Clone Wars, but that that moment really made me feel like it was Ahsoka again. Like 
she has been so like headstrong and like, oh, this is what's going to happen. This is what needs to happen. And then she finally in this episode had a moment where she was like, okay, clearly I'm not communicating well with my Padawan. I should, I should like take a different approach. And that specific moment was, I was like, okay, like I can see this show going in a better direction than like where Ahsoka's character has been in this just like stoic, almost uninteresting type of mentor. Mm. Uh, But it looks like Dave Filoni, just like, you know, Ahsoka in the beginning of the Clone Wars, he has a plan for her growth and I'm excited to see that. Yeah. You give me a lot of hope. These are the words I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah, like I, I trust him because like that's kind of how his his stories go. Like they build kind of like off a slow pace. They and they usually aim uh, age wise like a little bigger at the beginning of whatever the story. Not this so much because it's already like a character we've seen before. Um, but then like it builds very quickly into like a crescendo like a really emotional climax by the by the end of uh whatever story that mm-hmm. we tell uh so i have pretty good faith in him with that the the thing that i did like after i guess it's kind of part of the dog fight still uh was that we then saw ahsoka space suit up and uh lightsabers mm-hmm. in space which I thought was cool because we we've seen this uh, a few times with like Anakin and Obi Wan and and even Ahsoka and I, I want to say she wore the suit the the symbol on the suit it looks like the Imperial logo uh, but that's also very close to what the uh, original like Republic uh, like crest looked like because it was very easily just like transitioned to the Imperial after that. So I liked the whole sequence with Ahsoka uh, being essentially fighting the the ships in space and took one out with her, her lightsabers uh, and then had basically Sabine turn the ship to get her as she was basically Sandra Bullocking it out in space. Uh, <laughs> but luck- luckily she had her sabers on her hilt and those didn't, didn't just like, you know, float out into the, the outer region of space. Uh, what did what did you guys think of this? I think I know you can uh, comments, but uh, we did you any thoughts, and then Ted, if you have questions, let us know. I uh, specifically this. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I mean, you got you got the written stuff. I I was just going off my head here. Um, oh, I just was really like this was my favorite part of the episode and it was like so cool to see uh and i'm sorry ted that you have to hear about it before seeing it but hopefully (laughs) it'll still be just as exciting but now Um, now i am excited yeah um and i think i just like um seeing ahsoka in space uh, i noticed that she was like fully cgi for this obviously because it's hard to make zero gravity look good with without using CGI, but usually I'm like, oh, like it's it's weird to see a character fully CGI. Like uh, one of the first uh, uh, in Indiana Jones, the last movie uh, in the beginning, 
there's a moment where he's he's running down the top of the train and that's when his theme is like the musical theme of indiana jones first comes on uh and that uh that was sad to me because they decided to throw in his theme right when it's a fully cgi indiana jones running down a train instead of like seeing his face and something but in this specific instance i actually really liked seeing cgi ahsoka because she is first a CGI character who has moved yeah. into live action and seeing her animated in CGI in this show made me feel like it was the same character. Like she moves very much like how the animated Ahsoka moves and like seeing her kind of flipping around in space. I was like, that feels like the Ahsoka that I remember in, in the Clone Wars. Um, and uh, my only gripe with that whole sequence was we we know that you can use the force in space. So the fact that she was even like floating around is weird to me. Cause I feel like she could have just, you know, we've seen Mary Poppins force pulling herself towards a ship oh, yeah. before. It's not that crazy. Yeah, yeah, Leia. Uh, so I'm like, she didn't need to wait for uh, Sabine to like, you know, flip the ship around so she could like get her footing. She could have definitely just like pulled herself to the ship or pulled the ship to her especially because it's space and there's no, you're not working against gravity at all. Um, that was my only gripe, but uh, everything else was very exciting about it. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, since Leia was able to do it and she was frozen more than, yeah, so, so, she, she was freezing. Sorry. She wasn't, she wasn't Elsa. Yeah. <laughs> she, was... <laughs> um, she was star-lording it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, I I actually... I found it to be really, like, hokey and kind of corny, that scene. I'm just like... It feels like, I don't know, something out of, like, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, where you'd have, like, two guys out on the ship trying to do repairs, and then they start fighting, and, a, and one pulls out a blaster and then shoots themselves backwards because of recoil or something. Like that kind of something, something something that would come from like 60s James Bond in space more than Star Wars I'm not expecting somebody to get out into onto a spacecraft and throw their lightsabers around and or swing their lightsabers around and deflect shots there right. it actually I think would have been way cooler if she had like used the force to like torpedo her lightsabers towards them or something so that they didn't have to get so close you know just like if she just like kind of yeah. let her lightsabers kind of go around and just that would have been sick i just yeah just like maybe if i do and... a re-edit yeah yeah so just has them like four spinning around yeah. Wait, so so kai are you thinking about doing a one movie of this it really depends on how it all ends uh I, I doing the re-edits are it's a lot of work and so I, I reserve that for things that I really am passionate about and obviously I'm really passionate about Obi-Wan. Um I love Ahsoka too, but if if uh if it doesn't end well, if there's not like a because I feel like the reason why Obi-Wan worked as a movie was because first of all it was written as a movie first and then it should have been uh 
Yeah, but also the 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 climax I felt was uh, satisfactory enough that like no matter what you kind of remove throughout the show, if, as long as you have a strong climax, people will leave going, "Wow, like that was that was great. Like I really liked that." So that's why, like, you know, it, it would be hard if Ahsoka doesn't have a super satisfactory ending, then like the movie would still fall flat either way, you know. So we'll see. Uh, I'm not promising anything, so don't quote me on that. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll I've, see. We'll I've see already that. tweeted out that you're going to do it. <laughs> no. Uh, you mean Speaking... X out? What? X yeah. out. Okay. Uh, speaking of, of um, exciting climaxes, the episode uh, ends or builds to the, the scene where we finally. So in Mando, the mirror that we saw, we kind of saw like little hints of like the Purgles, like within uh, hyperspace from Grogu's point of view. Well, you know, Din's just pieced out, so Din didn't even see him. Uh, but in this, we see full on fully realized, fully lit shots of the the space whales themselves, the purgles. Uh, I see Ahsoka just, you know, maneuver and Sabine like just maneuvering around them as Shin and Merrick are still coming after them. I thought that whole scene was very well done. And I kept it was like don't don't shoot the purgles. Don't 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 shoot the purgles. Um, <laughs> but uh, Mike had this as a note. I don't, I don't know if he'll be able to come back because his young Padawan is uh, turning to the dark side currently. Uh, is that <laughs> that uh, Sabina and Ahsoka didn't know the name, like the species name of the Purgles, which they showed up a few times in in Rebels. So I I I, I think maybe I just like thought like, it was like the Mandela effect or something like that, where like I thought that they already knew. They were called Purgles, but I guess not. Uh, well, I, liked... I did uh, when I, I I rewatched the I rewatched that episode today, and I had read the notes before I rewatched it. But I think I think you could make a case that they they didn't specifically ever say that they didn't know the name of them, but Hu Yang like as they were talking about it, Hu Yang was like, "Oh, and those are star whales uh, known as Purgle." Um, because I think Sabine said, I haven't seen those creatures since Ezra. It doesn't necessarily mean that she didn't know the name, and it doesn't necessarily mean that Ahsoka didn't know the name, but that Hu Yang just, like, as a knowledgeable robot, especially, like, telling the audience, what you know, if, if you hadn't watched Rebels um, or you didn't know anything about Purgle, I feel like that was really just a shoehorn line for Hu Yang to speak directly to the audience you know, if you'd never seen them before and you're like, what the heck? Like, then Hu Yang says, oh, they're a star whale called Purple. Not for the characters, but for the audience. That was my take on it the second time I watched it, but I don't know. Yeah, that should, that, uh, it was cool to see them in this. And, uh, or, yeah, so I guess, again, for people that haven't seen Rebels, the, like, the finale of Rebels was Ezra, uh, in cooperation with the the purgle um wrapping like their tentacles like around like fleet of ships and stuff uh and ezra communicating with the force with them basically sacrifices himself and brings himself and like out into like 
wherever they are now where they're trying to find them um and so that's kind of like where this at least journey is picking up within this show uh the the thing that uh Kai, i think you had a note about it outside of seeing them in the in live oh, about yeah yeah I, I, this was uh the first time we've seen them in live action other than just like seeing silhouettes of them uh yeah. and that was very interesting and I, and i hadn't really thought about it until like we were faced with them like right in your face you know we're flying in towards them and i was like oh yeah i guess we haven't seen them for real yet and i really liked how they adapted the their look to you know i was a little worried because in rebels they're they look cool but you know they're very they, they're very much like a cartoon character you know they're a cartoon whale character and i was like i wonder how that's gonna look in live action and it actually surprisingly i think worked really well for me i, I think it uh it re- i mean it does basically just look like a whale with a squid end attached to it but yeah i think it's a very cool look for star wars um and it was it was great to see them finally that let skyfall was a really cool shot oh yes that yeah like the descending to planet yeah i, I thought that was really cool mm-hmm. Ted, you're going to like this episode, I think. I love anything cartoon to live action done well. Yeah. Uh, and then, so, like, in the scene, speaking of hyperspace, like, with this, we saw we get a little bit more, like, the Eye of Zion. And I keep on wanting to call it the Eye of Sauron. Just because it's... Yeah. Or, <laughs> or if Mike was still here, I'd call it the, the Eye of Sauron. Because uh, that used to be, like, his, his whole... When we were in high school... That's when Lord of the Rings came out, called Eye of Sauron. Uh, but yeah, like the hyperspace ring that Mark is using, um, it's like the biggest hyperspace ring for like where they're trying to like, travel to to find Earthron and Ezra may be. Uh, and like the the lasers that are on, like this was I think it was the question Mike had too, like the turbo lasers that were on it that she's like getting all about like shooting Ahsoka and being with. I thought. Once that can pull like the Han mover, like it's like attached to like the underside part. I guess there's not really an underside to like a circle, but like I thought it was going to be like um, episode two's with uh, Obi Wan's ship that had the hyper. And well, like, but I was expecting because it's going to be so big for the purpose of moving it that we're going to see something like a Star Destroyer hook up to it. Instead, it seems like the ring is the ship itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. That like, yeah, like the ring itself is just like a thing. Just that's a that's if we see it move, which I assume that we will, that it'll be an interesting kind of visual to see a ring ship move through hyperspace like that. Well, here's a little theory for you. Uh, maybe. It's not designed to bring anything to Thrawn, but maybe it's designed to bring whatever Thrawn has been building back. So maybe so it's like a Stargate? Oh yeah, there you go. Maybe. I like the little Stargate. I mean maybe it, it, like, maybe it doesn't yeah. need maybe it doesn't need a ship to attach to to go somewhere, but like you can attach something. So maybe they go get Thrawn and then he's able to 
attach his ship with all of his cronies to go back. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really know, but it, it could be interesting to see. Cause it, yeah, when Hu Yang was describing how it worked again, he only has that information from his scan. So it might not be complete, but uh, it sounded like there was nothing that would be attached to it for it to go. So, yeah. you know, well, I guess we'll just have to see. Where do you think they're going to go with Thrawn? Do you think they're going to take the, the books Thrawn storyline and run with that or just something whole new? The movie yes. is apparently supposed to be Heir to the Empire or like Heir to the Empire-esque. So what Jorfi said, yes. Because yes. like, I don't expect the weird picking up a Jedi um and like convincing him to go after luke part of heir to the empire or i think luke. yeah or luke um i don't expect anything like that but i i feel like we're going to see something where there's going to be some kind of like reckoning for ahsoka and the rebels group but also Mandalorians. I guess I just from the way they have been like linking uh, Ahsoka to them. And then they had the Mandalorian, the Purgles there, you know, I just feel like there's going to be something. And I think too, this is something off topic. I just need to get out. Sabine is going to probably have like uh, a Katana style bladed lightsaber by the end of, like her training, I assume. Yeah, that would make sense with like interesting. Like hilts are thinner, like a like a samurai katana. Well, she also had the dark saber, and then you yeah. see her training with the wooden katana like stick. I just I feel like it's a foreshadowing there. Yeah, and then if they get um, Ezra back, she'll have to give his saber back to him. Exactly, and then it also goes more aggressive to what her Mandalorian side would be. But on like uh, for the heir to the empire stuff, I I just I feel like it's going to be similar for Thrawn itself, but different because we're not going to be dealing with the Luke Han Leia group. We're going to be dealing with our TV show group. Yeah. Uh, and then so like the the last thing of kind of that was in this episode to, to up our discussion was that it ends with Ahsoka and Sabine hiding on Corvus in like the, the always autumn forest there. Uh, kind of, it's, it's the same planet that has like the, the Outlander uh, circle stone, like temple area and then the Stonehenge. Yeah, like, and then just like a shot of ba uh, Balin looking out and brooding and that's how that ends and so as far as like stuff we've seen from the the trailer that they showed for this yet we've pretty much seen everything from that outside of there's like a part of a scene that's like ahsoka and, and interacting there in that stone circle and talking about anakin there's also that one tv spot that had new Anderson dialogue which was like reminiscent of story stuff from like the Tales of the Jedi shorts, because it seems like it, at least for like what he was saying was reminiscent of that time period. And there's that one shot of 
Thrawn on like the the deck of the Eye of Scion there. So I feel like all the footage that was in that trailer was probably within like the first four episodes. So maybe we see Thrawn by the end of episode four, which would because by the end of next week that'll already be halfway through the season, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, I I'm excited to I'm very excited for how that Anakin dialogue is going to be used if if that's just going to be like a memory that we end up seeing Ahsoka having and if it's like shot and it's meant and it's like you know, Clone Wars era like we're supposed to be like Clone Wars era person is like like the Clone Wars stuff would be kind of cool or even if it's like maybe she sees a force ghost Anakin so be interesting to see what that whole Ends up, ends up be, how it ends up being used because they don't show any of that, but they just like play his dialogue over that that one spot. Um, but I feel like with the name of the planet being Corvus, there has to be something really Sith that, or not Sith, but dark that has yeah. has to happen there. We know like Night Sisters were part to it, yeah. and I feel like. Ahsoka or Sabine is going to have something to do with like the world between worlds or some kind of dark force presence is going to uh, enter them like in a, in like the spiritual way um, and project like hallucinate hallucinations or something uh, just because like you have, it's a planet called Corvus. What's yeah. the, like, and like that's so close to the genus for like crows and ravens, which are tricksters, and like it just it feels like it set it, it sets itself up to something like that, and we didn't quite get that with the the toil and trouble from episode two. Uh, so as we're wrapping up, did you guys have any uh, like closing thoughts on what you wanted to say? Um, and then after your closing thoughts, I, I let people know where they find you. Um, uh, or if, if you want to wrap out like what you were yeah. stuck, like if you had anything else, and then give your info, then Kai, then Ted, and then I'll give mine last. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as much as like talking about it, I've enjoyed the episode more. I didn't, I still think I'm right now going to be waiting until the series is done and watch some more like reviews to see if I want to actually watch the complete next five episodes. Um, just because I'm just, I was had such a hard time with those first two. And even here, I still feel very hollow with it. Um, I think there's more fun in the discussion and the theorying just because that's also what like a round table leads to. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we haven't built you up too much, Ted, where like you then are completely disappointed. Um, yeah. Uh, outside of that, like I said, I'm going to be dipping out from the series outside of reviews uh, and probably for the chats. I'll be here for the ch some of the chats, at least if we do live episodes. Uh of uh this so uh but it, you can find me at um on instagram and 
threads at beef miniature gaming um you can also find my podcast rant to the future it's not had anything really recent besides for our crossover with animation fascination and into the vactorverse uh and sandbox gamer where we talked to tmnt um but that's going to be going through a whole reboot as i'm going through school for doing that um yeah, so that's where you guys can find me. Um, yeah. Nice. Thanks, Jeffy. Okay. Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm hopeful of where this series is going. So I, um, it, it's funny because, you know, when, when the Star Wars shows were coming out, uh, you know, like Mandalorian specifically, I remember just being so hyped every single episode that was coming out i was like i have to stay up and i have to watch it right when it comes out and i think now i've become a little jaded by my experiences with the shows in general so now even though i enjoy ahsoka like you know i'm not like dying to watch it right when it comes out um i do i mean now that it comes out at a reasonable time of 6 p.m uh my time i appreciate that um i it's it's way better you know i don't have to stay up but um i still i'm just like oh you know i'll get to it when i get to it and it's usually the day that it comes out you know within a couple hours of it being out but i'm i'm more just sad just in general at like the state of star wars where like i'm not jumping for joy every single episode that i get um but i'm feeling a lot better about ahsoka than i felt about the third season of mandalorian so uh that gives me hope and i'm excited to see where we go uh and people can find me at kai patterson films on pretty much every platform except for twitter i'm not going to call it x twitter uh, it's Kai Patterson cut because films wouldn't fit. And you can also find any of my stuff on, uh, Kai Patterson films.com. Uh, so yeah. And I guess Ted will throw it to you. Really, really quick aside before Ted, I just wanted to, I really do appreciate the, the 6 PM, uh, Pacific drops that, that they're doing. I hope that, yes. that continues for the Marvel shows and any other feature star Wars shows. Because, feels like a prime time yeah i don't, i really yeah. appreciate not having to avoid spoilers all day because i didn't wait up at midnight and like even if i didn't go like on yeah. social media that day i just went on youtube to listen to music or something because of the algorithm of stuff i already watch i'm gonna get the videos and thumbnails which i usually try to use thumbnails that are spoilerific to like whatever we talk about here because I try not to be like a, a douche to someone that's on YouTube and they haven't watched yeah. anything yet. And they see, they're like, oh, okay, that person died in that episode. Uh, I like, I've liked been able to watch these first three episodes, not knowing, sorry, Ted, anything that was going to happen in the episodes before I watched it. <laughs> so with that, I'll segue over to Ted, who has now had this entire episode spoiled for him. <laughs> um, I have similar sentiments to Kai that, like, I feel kind of burnt out on Disney Star Wars right now and like so much stuff that I'm not excited about but when they announced Ahsoka that was one that I was like okay this has serious potential she could be the face 
of Star Wars for now on. Um, you guys did get me excited to watch the third episode. And um, yeah, I, I'll probably watch it tomorrow at work. Uh, <laughs> don't okay if anybody from work is listening yeah don't don't say anything <laughs> but um no yeah you can find me probably just best on youtube at ted sowards um my twitter handle is ted here h-e-r-e um and I, maybe i should just go by that on everything but yeah yeah no i'm excited nice uh and then for hold a pod and mike and i you know you can find us on twitter instagram facebook and youtube at hold a pod uh i'm and then Mike and I are at our respective names on those places. Uh, and then you can also follow our editor uh, on all of those places as well. Uh, and then... As always, we are grateful to George Lucas for creating Star Wars Universe. Yeah. Oh dear! Thank, well, thank the maker! Yeah, so that, <laughs> okay, that was the best ending to this episode ever, everybody. So thank you for joining for episode 52 of The Hold of Maneuver. Uh, that was for episode 3 of Ahsoka time to fly so with that go listen to some food fighters and listen to, because now it's time to fly so with that let's learn to fly well it's time to fly now okay? it's time like these and learn to fly it's, it's <laughs> they fly it's, now it's a remix yes, they, they fly, fly now, now.